You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church San Diego. For more information on our church, go to c3sandiego.com. Before we pray, I mean, before I, I speak, I just want us to pray because I like to get you activated to receive this word. You guys ready? All right, just pray with me. Say, Jesus, you brought me here for a reason. Open my ears. Open my eyes. Speak to my core. Set me on fire. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Here we go. We are in our family-ish series, which is amazing because I love family. I got married seven days after my high school graduation. Yes, I did to my beautiful wife, Maria. <laughs> I, I, I honestly did that because uh, I grew up in a not-so-good family, in a non-Christian family, and, and my greatest desire, uh, dream as a high school student was to start my own family. I, I, I said, I can't wait till I could one day have my own family and we can grow up in, in, in the house of God. My kids can serve you. That's the greatest thing. So for me, family is always something that's so close to me. And so I did it. I got married at 18 and uh, we started a family. I had my first kid when I was, what, maybe 20, 21, somewhere around there. And, um, and life has been amazing. It's great to see my kids. Uh, Zeke not here today? He's not? Oh, man, he's usually here with me, my man. <laughs> My man, I must not have done that good last time. I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. Anyways, um, we're going to jump into this um, uh, message today. And the Bible is all about God restoring the family. It's all about God restoring the family. And this verse is the heart of the message I'm going to share today. It's in Malachi chapter 4, verse 6. And know that this is the very last verse in the book of Malachi. Book of Malachi is a very prophetic book in the Bible. And he says here, he's talking about a prophet that's going to come right before Jesus returns. There's a prophet coming. He says, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And the hearts of the, ch the children to their fathers. Lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Uh, this verse is, is really cool because it shows God's, the importance of a father in the family, right? And so what I, what I love about this family series is I love how it builds upon each other, right? And I love because in my heart I have three things uh, that, that a father is supposed to bring to a family. One is order, one is protection, and one is blessing, right? But what was so awesome is Pastor Leanne came a couple weeks ago and she preached on the father bringing order, Right? And then last Sunday morning, Pastor Jurgen was here, and he preached on the family bringing protection. So I'm like, well, thank you. I only got one point. <laughs> because uh, I'm, I'm going to speak on the blessing of a father. The blessing of a father. Um, the the um, title of my message is The Voice of a Father. The Voice of a Father. Um, the word bless means to declare, right? To declare over somebody. Like if you bless someone, how do you do it? You just say, I'm, I bless you. So to bless someone means to declare over them, usually because of a positional authority, right? Um, uh, fathers, because of who you are, your words have weight. Now, now don't turn off because this isn't just for fathers, okay? We're going to go all over the place. We're going to make a pit stop. We're going to do a loop and then come right back. So it's going to be a great message. Stick with me. I'm going to speak to fathers for about 10, 5 minutes, and then we're going to loop around, and it's going to be awesome, right? So uh, sometimes speaking about fathers, people are like, well, I'm not a dad. I'm turning off. No. This is for anyone who might have had a dad. 
which is everybody. So you get the point. All right, so uh, fathers, um, because of our authority, you know one of the, the, the stories in the Bible that kind of blows my mind is when Jesus um, was walking and the centurion came because his servant was sick. And if you read the story, the centurion says, uh, Jesus, can you heal my servant? And Jesus says, yes, I'll go to your house. And Jesus says, no, 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 you don't even need to go to my house. You just need to say the word. Someone say, just say the word. Jesus said, all you got to do is say the word because I'm a man of authority. And when I speak to those under me, they obey what I say because of my authority and their authority. And I understand that you are also a person of authority, Jesus. So basically, all I need you to do is speak because of your positional authority and because of what you say it's going to happen because of who you are. Because of your position, right? And you know what Jesus says, the, literally, if you read it in the Bible, the Bible says Jesus was amazed. Come on, a human being just amazed Jesus. The Bible says Jesus was amazed, and he says, I haven't seen faith like this. I've never seen faith like this before. And, and the, the secret to his faith was the fact that he understood authority. He understood the positional authority, and it blew Jesus' mind. It's kind of like this. If you're driving on the freeway and maybe you're going a little faster than you should or whatever and somebody rolls down their window and yells at you and maybe puts something in the air or whatever, but if they yell at you, what do you do? You're just like, whatever, just, just go faster or slow down so get out of their way. But if a, a police officer pulls over to you, how many of you, he doesn't even need to say nothing. He just needs to go, I, I just happened to me before, he just went like this. He just put his hand like, slow down, bro, slow down. How, how many of you know I listened to him? I slowed, you see, I didn't care what the other person slow down, you jerk. I, I, you don't care about that. But the officer, all he has to do is make a hand motion. It's because of his authority. So the reason I'm talking to you is because we got to understand that fathers have authority in the family, right? And fathers, you need to hear me because what you say and pray matters. What you say and pray matters matters. Look at the uh, story of the prodigal son, right? Story, we know the story of the prodigal son. He took his inheritance. He went off, and he was eating pig's food in the pig's pen. But how many know he went from the pig's pen back to the palace, right? How did that happen? It wasn't because he repented and went back home. Because he repented and went back home to do what? To work for his father. He said, if I just go back, I'm going to get a job. It will be better off than what I'm doing now. It wasn't the fact that he repented and went back home that changed his life. It was when he went back home, his father blessed him. It was when he went back home, his father, understanding his authority, said, I bless you. He says, well, bring out the robe, bring out the ring, bring out the fatted calf. He began to use his authority, I'm going to bless my son. It wasn't the fact that he went home, it was the fact that his father blessed him and spoke over his life. Look at Joseph. We know the story of Joseph in the Bible. Joseph is a great example of a father's love and a father's blessing because he was his father's favorite. <laughs> he knows because the Bible said so. His brothers knew so. Everybody knew he was his father's favorite. He had a special coat. Come on, if you got a special coat, you your daddy's favorite. I never got a special coat, but, you know, maybe you might have a special coat. But Joseph had a special, he was his father's favorite. And so he had his father's blessing, right? But look at Joseph's life. What I love is his life. He went through so much. 
He got sold into slavery. He got falsely accused of rape. He got thrown into the prison. He did all these things, but yet he was able to, first of all, endure it. And and second of all, the blessing followed him because the father's blessing was on his life. He was able, when your father blesses you, you can endure stuff that you didn't think you can go through. His father blessed him and he was able to endure such opposition. Not only that, but the favor and the blessing of God followed him every single place he went. He was blessed because of the the blessing of his father, right? This is good. One more. Can I go one more? Jacob. Look, I'm showing you because I'm building up a case and then I'm going to drop a bomb, okay? Building up a case. So the case is, let's go one more. Jacob in the Bible now, Jacob's story is very uh, uh, more heart-wrenching because all of his life he wanted the blessing of his father. From, from very birth, the Bible says he was named a trickster, Jacob, because he tried to grab his brother's heel when his brother came out first. The Bible says that his father liked his brother more than him. So he was already lacking the blessing of his father. So much that he tried to trick his brother out of his birthright. Give me your birthright. I'll I'll make you some soup. It was probably pho because that's the best soup, right? So, hey. (laughs) So, So he makes him some pho and he gives him the birthright. But after the birthright goes on, you know what happens next? The father doesn't bless him. So his he literally disguises himself like his brother in hopes to get his father's blessing. Maybe if I, so he tries to trick his own dad because his dad's getting blind. He can't realize it. So he tries to trick his father into the blessing and, and he gets it, but it's not, it, was, it wasn't right. It wasn't the same thing. So he goes on his entire life yearning for something, yearning for his father's blessing that he never, ever got. It wasn't until he's alone with God, come on, help me preach this, Felicia. Help me preach this. <laughs> it wasn't until he was alone with God that the Bible says that God came to him. Note that. Mm-mm. God showed up where he was, and the Bible says began to wrestle with him. Because a father wrestles with his boys. Come on. And he begins to wrestle with him. And as he begins to wrestle with him, Jacob realized he's face to face with God himself. And what does Jacob say? Come on. God tells Jacob, I don't even need to preach this. This is C3. I forgot where I'm at. Come on. <laughs> hey, this is the best place to preach. So here he is. So here he is. He's, he says, God, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. He says, this is my moment. I've been searching for the Father's blessing all my life. And if I don't get it now, it's not worth living. It's not worth going forward. I need you to bless me. So God blesses him, right? God blesses him. And what Jacob understood at that moment, that what he was really yearning for was not just his father's blessing, but his heavenly father's blessing. He realized that he was looking to his earthly father when his earthly father was simply a model pointing to his heavenly father. And when he tried to get it, his heavenly father showed up and says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you what man couldn't give you. I'm going to fulfill you. I'm going to speak a word over your life. I'm going to bless you. Come on. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. Ready? So what does he do? He says he blesses him, and the Bible says he changes his name. 
he changes his name from Jacob to Israel. Why? Because a father is supposed to tell you who you are. I said, a father is supposed to tell you who you are. You see, when God says he's turning the hearts of the fathers back to his children, what that means is God is restoring the voice of the father. God is restoring the voice of the father. And I'm speaking to you specifically because God is restoring the voice of the father in your life. Because see what happens when we have what we're witnessing right now, we're currently living in, what you're seeing is you are seeing a generation of fatherless people rise up. And the generation, there's a generation of fatherless people who don't know who they are. Because a father never told them. A father never told them who they were. So they're wondering, who am I? What's my purpose in life? What am I supposed to do? Am I so, so they join a gang or they do something just to feel some kind of acceptance, some kind of affirmation, some kind of a sense of purpose in their life. When what your earthly father never gave you, God, your heavenly father, wants to speak over your life. And God, your heavenly father, wants to tell you who you really are. Come on. Come on. You see, what's beautiful about this is regardless, regardless of your relationship with your earthly father. Now, now, trust me, if you had a great earth, I didn't, but if you did, that's amazing. And you, you like Joseph, you have a better model of God, right? But me, I love how we heard in this panel this morning how there were all three people who were unfathered, but yet we saw how God sent people to father them. How God sent people, because only a man can make you a man. You see, there's a place in every, every family member's life, but a boy needs a man to tell me I'm a man. I Honestly, I think that's one of the reasons I fell in love with the tile trade as a young man, because I was around a lot of men. I was around a lot of young, tough guys, and, and, they, and, and, and they would tell me that I'm a man. Well, if you could pick up that bag of cement, then you're a man. Well, I'll pick up the bag of cement. Tell me I'm a man. Tell me I got what it takes. Tell me who I am. Tell me I can make it in this life. Come on. You see? So what we have is we have a generation of men, a generation of girls who sell themselves short, who don't value their bodies, who put bikini pics on Instagram in hopes that they get some approval and some likes to make themselves feel better when your daddy was supposed to make you feel better. But your daddy's not there, so now your father comes in, in a different form and speaks over your life. Come on. See, the voice of the Father confers a blessing. It drops something on top of you, and it, it affirms who you really are in life. The beauty of, of our journey with God is Jesus said, call him your Father. Our Father who art in heaven. Because when we see God as our Father, he begins to father us. I had the joy of God fathering me through a, 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 a young pastor named David Kendall, young, great man of God. But he fathered me. He says, man, you don't even know what a, what a husband's supposed to look like, do you? You don't even have a good family. You don't even know what it's like to raise kids. Let me show you. Watch me. And so, because the beautiful thing is the Bible says that when your mother and father forsake you, the Lord will take you up. The Lord will begin to father you.
So listen, I don't care how old you are, your father wants to father you. I don't care if you're a grown man or if you're a young teen. Your father in heaven wants to father you tonight. Why does he want to father you? Because he wants to raise and restore the voice of the father in America. The voice of a father in C3 San Diego. We need the voice of a father to speak and release who we are, right? So good. So God's going to do that. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. We're going to get there. But the second part of that Verse says what? God's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and then he's going to turn the hearts of the children to the fathers. Now, when I read that, I began to think, like, what? Why would a child turn their hearts away from their father? Because, see, we understand that a father could turn their heart away from their child because maybe they just don't like the responsibility. Maybe it got too hot, there's too much pressure, they felt they couldn't take it. Maybe they got distracted, maybe they got fallen into sin, maybe, maybe they weren't fathered themselves so they didn't know how to handle, they didn't know what to do. But whatever way the, the, the father turned their hearts from their children, the question is why would a child turn their heart from their father? And the only thing I can think of is first of all, if, if a child's not loved, right? Or if a child doesn't get what he wants which are kind of two in the same things, because if you don't get what you want, you don't really feel loved, right? So I want you to take notice, if you're a parent, take notice where the difficulty or challenge comes in your life in parenting. Usually the difficulty comes not when you take them to Disneyland, not on their birthday parties when you shower them with gifts. The difficulty in parenting comes when you have to discipline them. Go brush your teeth. But I want to play one more round of Fortnite. <laughs> you said that 20 minutes ago. Go brush your teeth. I don't want to go to, go to bed. Do your homework. No, you can't go to that party without alcohol. I mean, with alcohol. <laughs> you, can, <laughs> come on. Uh, you can go without alcohol. I'm not that kind of dad, I promise. <laughs> but you see, the thing is that... Um, the, the, the trouble comes in with the, the, the wedge in a relationship between a father and, and, and the children usually comes when discipline and corrections involved, you know? And, and, and it kind of goes, Paul, the apostle, said in the Bible, he says, you have many teachers, but not many fathers. Because a lot of people like information, but they don't like someone telling them what to do. See, the difference between a teacher and the father is that the teacher gives information, but the father makes sure you apply it. Very big difference, right? And so at times this could cause a problem where children can turn their hearts away from the fathers because why should they hang with dad when if they just go with their friends, they could do whatever they want. They're not accountable to anything. Now, go on this little imagination with me. Imagine a parent giving their child everything they wanted. No discipline, right? Go to sleep. I don't want, I don't want to go to sleep. Go, it's time for bed. Go to bed. I don't want to go to bed. Okay, fine, just stay up, you know. Go brush your teeth. I don't want to brush my teeth. Okay, you know what? Daddy loves you. You don't have to brush your teeth. Daddy's going to buy you dent kid dentures. You're fine. You don't need to brush your teeth. Just go ahead and, and just do whatever you want. I'm going to let you do it because I love you. A child runs around in the street, and the parent says, don't run around the street. 
there's a car coming. You could have got hit. But, but what if the, if, the, if the parent just lets the child do anything they want? Run, go ahead, go run around the street. It's okay. I love you. I don't want to hurt you. I want you to know that you have a loving father. And, and I want you to know that I, I want you happy. So if not brushing your teeth is going to make you happy, don't do it, son. Because I love you. You're, you have a good dad. You, have, you don't have to eat your vegetables. No. Go to school. Pfft, I don't care. What do you want? You just want to play Fortnite? Let's play Fortnite. I'll, I'll quit my job. I'll play with you. We'll play Fortnite together. Yes. Best dad in the world. Right? Wrong. It's crazy to think like that, right? It's absurd to really think that, that, that a parent would do that. As, as parents and fathers, it's our responsibility to discipline and correct our children. Right? It's our responsibility to do that. So how do we do it without them turning their hearts from us? You guys ready for the remedy? This comes, this is something I learned early in my parenting years. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, from one of the great Christian um, leaders in, in family Christian ministry, James Dobson. He says, rules without relationship lead to rebellion. Rules without relationship lead to rebellion. In other words, if all you're doing as a father is disciplining your children and you have no relationship with them, don't expect them to listen to you. If all your children know from you is you saying, don't do this, do that, you better do this, you're not doing that right, you better do this right. If that's all they're hearing, they're going to naturally resist and rebel because all they hear is correction. All they hear is how they're not doing it right, and it doesn't feel good. How many know discipline don't feel good? It doesn't feel good to be corrected. But rules, I mean, relationship changes everything, right? Because if you have a genuine relationship with your children, if you have a real relationship where your children know you and, 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 and you know them, then when it comes time to discipline, yes, they still may resist, they still, still may buckle a little bit, but they're going to listen because they know that you love them. Because they know that you care. They know you spent time with them. They know that you went above and beyond and you're involved in their life. So their discipline is, is see, discipline is a crazy word. Sometimes we don't even like talk. I was hesitant to talk about discipline because it's just like, my wife's like, Dis really, Frank? <laughs> Dis discipline? Are you, what? Because discipline abused is punishment. Discipline is not punishment. There are two different things, right? Discipline is, literally comes from the root word uh, where we get the word disciple, which means to a student. So discipline, a disciple means I am a student of Jesus. I am a student of Jesus. So discipline means I am being taught as a student. I am being taught. So discipline literally means to correct, to train, or to teach. It doesn't mean to beat, to abuse, or to punish. See, but what happens is the world wants us to see discipline as abuse, as punishment, so that we will not discipline our children, so that they raise up lawless, so they raise up without respecting authority, so that we have an unfathered generation. And now we have a chaotic society because of people accusing discipline as punishment, and it's not. It's a completely different thing. Genuine, real discipline is love. 
Read the Bible. The proverb says, uh, a father that loves you disciplines you. To not discipline your children is to hate them, the Bible says. That's true. So, so it's so important that we understand this because if you have a relationship with your children, then you can discipline them and correct them and they're going to receive it and not turn their back on you. Right? Some of the ways say, well, I try to have a relationship with my kids, but, you know, it didn't work out. You know, they just want nothing to do. You know, you're lying. <laughs> the problem is you try to love them the way you receive love and not the way they receive love. You see, what I had to do as a father, when I wanted, um, I, I'm grateful for the season I wasn't in public ministry because it was when my daughters were in their prime teen years. And they needed me the most. And I'm, I, you know, I, I'm grateful for God that I had a lot of time on my hands to be there for them. And so when I tried to build a relationship and I didn't feel a connection, what's this man have a connection with their teenage daughter? How am I going to connect? Well, you know what I realized is I have to do what they want to do. I have to get involved into what they're into. So guess what? I went on Groupon and we bought a, a photography class. I didn't want to learn photography. I, I don't, you know, I took photos and I deleted them. Yeah. But I went with my daughter because she wanted to learn photography. So I said, well, if you want to learn that, I'm going to learn with you, even though I don't really want to learn. I'm not going to use it, but I want a relationship with you. I want to know you. That way, if I have to discipline you, you know I love you. You know that, that's, that, that it's out of love for you. I love, one of the beautiful things about that is that I fell in love with concerts. Man, you should have seen the first concert I went to with them. Oh, my goodness. I had no idea what I was into. I felt so out of place. I was like the only dad there. It was at UCSD College, I believe it was. And, and it was a college show. All these college kids and teens there. And then I'm just right there, like second row, dude. Second row, okay? I'm just like, hey, guys, how you doing? You know? But you know what? Uh, I did it because, first of all, they couldn't go unless they went with somebody older or, or, or something like that, an adult. So I, I went with them, but the thing is I fell in love with the music. So now like a concert, that's what we do all the time because I fell in love with it. But the only reason I did it was to have a relationship with them, to be able to go one-on-one -on -one with my daughters, to go to different concerts, to go to different events, to go to that. Me and my son, last year we would go fishing every weekend. Every weekend, whether we caught something or not, we would do it just to, to bond. And I would teach him to pray on the lake. And we'd talk about Jesus. We'd listen to songs. And we'd goof around. But all this is just building relationship. What I'm trying to tell you is that rules without relationship will lead to rebellion. So if we expect to discipline our children, we got to have a relationship with them. That's the heart being restored the heart being turned to your fathers. That way when you discipline your children, they're not going to turn their backs. So listen to me. Why is this so important, guys? You guys ready? Here's the ball. Let's go. <laughs> this is so important to understand discipline and the heart of discipline, right? Because if we can really understand the heart behind discipline, if we could see that a father out of love has to correct their children and at times withhold what seems good at the moment, then maybe we can, someone say maybe. maybe. Maybe we can get a better understanding of how our Heavenly Father corrects us. Maybe we can get a better understanding 
of how our Heavenly Father disciplines us. Mm. Yeah, I got real quiet, but it's good. You guys ready? Look at this verse. I'm going to go deep. We're going to go deep. God's going to move. He's going to hit some people really quick. Ready? Hebrews chapter 12. Look at verse 9. I'm going to put it on the screen because it's like a lot of verses. So. Here we go. Hebrews 12, 9. It says, and, it isn't, and isn't it true that we respect our earthly fathers, even though they corrected and disciplined us? Then we should demonstrate an even greater respect for God, our spiritual father as we submit to his life-giving discipline. Our parents corrected us for the short time of our childhood as it seemed good to them, but God corrects us throughout our lives for our own good, giving us an invitation to share his holiness. Now, all discipline seems to be more pain than pleasure at the time, yet later, someone say later, Later, it will produce a transformation of character, bringing a harvest of righteousness and peace to those who yield to it. Very interesting. The Bible clearly says that just like a good father corrects and disciplines their children, so our heavenly father will correct and discipline us. Now, this is scary. Oh, gosh. I know Pastor Juice, oh, he's going to preach about the disciplinarian God. No, I'm not. I'm sorry. I am, but not the way that we think. Because, you see, when we understand the heart of discipline is to correct, to train, to build up, to make you better. What did the verse say? It says it's an invitation to share in his holiness. So sometimes, you know, we all want to be used to God. We want God to use us. And the only way God can use you is the holier you are, the more anointing he drops in your life. The more you let go of sin, the more righteousness you can pick up, right? I mean, so when we, when God begins discipline, he disciplines us a lot to begin to make us more like him. And if you think you don't need to be disciplined, read the fruit of the spirit, whichever one you don't have, he's going to train you. He's going to teach you. He's going to coach you in it. He's going to work on that because God is always working on us to make us more like Jesus every moment of our life, right? He says it doesn't feel good, but later it'll, it'll produce a transformation of character. A tra- it will cha- you know, character is who you are. In other words, through God's correction in your life, he's going to change who you are and make you. Do you realize that some of the things you've been praying for is actually a result of submitting to God's discipline in your life? What you want from God, he will do only through his correction in your life. Isn't that amazing? So how does God discipline us? You guys ready? Is good? Put a smile on your face. It's gonna get, I'm gonna make you feel really good right now. I promise, okay? Uh, so how does God discipline us? Look at uh, Hebrews 12, 7. Hebrews 12, 7. Put it on the screen for you, so check it out. Endure hardship. Someone say hardship. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children for what children are not disciplined by their father. Endure hardship as discipline. I'm gonna say it one more time. Endure hardship, hard times, things that aren't easy, things that are difficult, things that make you wanna quit, things that make you say, God, why am I going through this? 
I love what this verse says. It's reframing your difficulty. It's reframing a, a trial. It's reframing a struggle. Because I know sometimes we all, we all go through struggles, right? But the thing is that God's saying when you go through a struggle, I want you to reframe it. I want you to reframe it because, yes, I know that we are in a spiritual battle. I know that we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but against powers, principalities, rulers of the darkness of this age. I know that. But I also know that when the devil wanted to attack Job, he had to ask permission. When the devil wanted to attack Job, he says, God, can I? What does it mean? It says your father Though the, 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 the trial may not come from, the Father will use it to train us, to teach us, to discipline, to, 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 to prepare us, right, for something greater. Endure hardship as discipline. Are you guys ready? Remember, what are we talking about? We are talking about God turning the hearts of the children back to the fathers. In order for you to experience the love of your heavenly Father, you gotta remove one of the biggest wedges in your relationship to your Father, and that's hardship. One of the ways God is gonna turn your heart back to your heavenly Father is by removing the wedge of hardship. Because isn't it when you go through something hard that you say, God, if you really love me, why am I going through this? God, if you're really my father, like the Bible says you are, if you are this good, good father, why has my struggle been so long? If you are my good, good father, why does this enemy not back down? Why am I facing this situation over and over and over and over? Why is it so hard? Tonight, God's gonna remove that wedge in, in the relationship between you and him. God's removing a wedge. See, I shifted on you. We ain't talking about fathers no more. We're, we're talking about your relationship with your heavenly father. We're talking about your relationship with Jesus Christ. Can I read this verse? Look at this. Last verse, maybe. It's like second to last verse. <laughs> Jeremiah. Yeah, I'm, I grew up in the 90s. Okay. Jeremiah 32, verse 33. Listen to this. They turned their backs to me. This is God speaking. They turned their backs to me and not their faces. Though I taught them again and again, they would not listen or respond to discipline. What a sad verse from our father. I pray God would never say that about us. He says, they turned their backs to me and not their faces. They didn't listen, though time and again and again and again, I tried to discipline them. I tried to, okay, I'm gonna rephrase discipline so you don't get all weird about it, okay? I tried to teach them. I tried to correct them. I tried to make them better. I tried to prepare you for the level you're praying for. You're praying for this level, but I'm trying to prepare you for it. But if you don't endure hardship as discipline, and so how do you do that? The Bible says, don't turn your back on God when things are tough. Don't turn your back. Oh, who am I talking to tonight? Oh, come on, somebody. I said, don't turn your back on God because things got rough. Don't turn your back on God because of your hardship. 
Don't turn your back on God because he hasn't answered your prayer and you've been tithing, you've been fasting, you've been praying, but he hasn't heard me. God, do you really love me? If you love me, why? Why would you let this happen? Discipline says, I love you. He says, don't turn your back on me when things get rough. Turn your face to God in your hardship. Turn your face to God in your hardship. Instead of turning our backs to God, if we would turn our face to God, we would say, God, I don't know why. God, it really hurts. Oh God, I, I honestly don't even know if I could take it, but I'm here, God. I'm here because I know that you love me. And I'm here because I'm gonna trust you, God. I'm gonna trust you, God. You see, the Bible says, last verse, look at this, Romans 8:38. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate you from your Father's love. That's what the Bible says. But can you say it? Can you say that? Can you say that in the midst of your hardship? See, this is the wedge, and God's going to remove. God's calling you home tonight. There's somebody in this room. You came because a friend invited you, and God's saying, I'm, you didn't just come to check out this church. You came because your Father's calling you home because your father wants to speak a blessing over you. Your father wants to show you who you really are. But that wedge, and it's a wedge that we all face and encounter when we face things that we can't explain, we can't understand, we don't know why things are so hard. But if we would say, instead of turn our backs, if we would turn our face to God, we would see that he loves us. And we can be able to say, nothing can separate me from my father's love. Nothing, nothing. Because do you know that hardships are gonna come regardless if you serve God or not? Do you know that? Do you know things are gonna get rough whether you serve Jesus or not? Whether you show up here on a Sunday night or you go to a bar, hardships are gonna come both ways. There's a story in the Bible, Jesus talked about the parable of the man who built his house on the, on the, on the rock, remember? He says two men built the house one on sand, one on the rock. What did the Bible say? The storm came to both of them. The storm came to both people. Whether you build your house and obey God and build it on the rock of God's love, or you just live your own life and build your own house your own way, the storms are gonna come regardless. So stop blaming God for the storm. I said the storms are gonna come regardless, so stop blaming God for your storm. You see, God's telling you he loves you because of the storm. He's telling you he loves you because he knows the storm is coming. And he wants you to be founded on the rock because when you're founded on the rock, what does the Bible say? When the storm's passed 
and the smoke cleared. The house that was built on the rock, it stayed standing. It didn't move. It stayed strong. But the house that was built on the sand, the Bible said it fell. And if you read it, it goes further. It says, and great was the fall of it. It didn't just fall. It fell to pieces. It shattered. You got to understand. I'm telling you, sometimes the enemy uses our hardships as a wedge to lodge, get in between you and your relationship with your father. The enemy uses your struggle to come between you and your relationship with your father to tell you if he loves you. And I'm telling you, that's not the case. You were going to go through that regardless, whether you tithed or not. Whether you prayed or not, you're still going to come because it was just the storm. It's a storm of life. You're going to go through it. You're going to feel like quitting. You're going to face the hardships. You're going to feel like you can't take it. But if you know that God loves you, you're going to make it through. You're going to get through the storm. You're going to make it through the storm. Come on, somebody. You're going to make it through. So I'm here to encourage you tonight that your father sees what you're going through. He doesn't like it any more than you do, but he's here to tell you that he loves you. So you can say, God, I know that you love me. And you know what that means? What does the Bible say? Perfect love casts out all fear. Oh, perfect love casts out all fear. What is that perfect love? When you love God and he loves you, that's that perfect love. It casts out all fear. In other words, when you know that God loves you, you can go through the hardship without fear of your future, without worry, without anxiety, without the sleepless nights. You can say, God, this hurts, but I know you love me. And it changes everything. You can begin to smile through the trial. Come on. You can begin to smile through the trial because you know God loves you. And you know nothing can take away his love from you. You know, I love how strong Jesus was about it. He says, no one can snatch you out of my Father's hand. No one can snatch you out of my Father's hand. Your Father's hand is strong. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to C3SanDiego.com. 